First in our Bill of Rights is the freedom to hear uncensored ideas and opinions, to think your own thoughts, and to say what's on your mind. We couldn't have liberty without it. Now, more than ever, it's good to spout off, to listen, debate, and participate. Here's your host of Spouting Off, commentator, columnist, and all-around rabble-rouser, Karen Cataline. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Spouting Off. I'm your host, Karen Cataline, and... uh, It is good to have you along, whether you're listening live on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Um, Programming note, or if you're listening after the fact, when our show goes up at WSMN.live and or at my website, usually about 24 hours or less uh, since then. I want to let you know that uh, we are moving to Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. I have... Delighted, I've been delighted to have Steve Knoxon joining us and doing Fridays. I have other obligations, and so we are going to continue as long as, unless I tell you otherwise, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, but we will no longer be doing a Friday show. Stay tuned at WSMN.live, and uh will tell you or they'll tell you what might be happening in that time slot. And uh, we're going to continue to do what we do and what we love doing best, Uh, especially in such difficult and trying times. It gets challenging to find good news because we have to balance it out where possible with a lot of bad news. Uh, and I've got a couple of various things on my mind to spout off about. First off, I don't know a lot about Mike Johnson. Uh, I listened to his speech, Mike Johnson being the new Speaker of the House. I will preface this by saying that the hyperbole, the preposterousness, the same old political driven, politically driven agenda that it was chaos, chaos, I tell you. It was in disarray. It was, you know, this is what a true free uh, uh, and a democracy, small d, because we are a republic, that's what it looks like. It looks like people having dissent and for the propaganda media to constantly, constantly brainwash the public, the gullible part of the public, into thinking that disagreement and voting on a Speaker of the House and it taking a little while when it takes years for some politicians to put their socks on, for heaven's sake, is hyperbole. It's a lie. It wasn't chaos. It was the way it's supposed to work. Have you ever watched Parliament in Britain? Uh, They have vigorous debates I don't know what it's like now, but we're supposed to have vigorous debates, too. That is in lieu of um, taking up arms in a revolution, which we don't believe in in this country insofar as handling debates and discussion and differences of opinion civilly. That's what a free country does. An unfree country, a tyrannical regime, doesn't allow for disagreement or debate. We know that because 
our God-given rights for free expression uh, are under attack right now. Uh, the people who want to shut down dif differences of opinion would like you to believe that it is chaos and horror and terrible for there to be disagreement, that there can only be one opinion. Oh, oh and trust the science, as if science has ever said that there's only one idea. No, science is never settled, because if it were, then we'd all still believe that we're living on a flat earth, right? So we continue to learn. Even things we thought we knew, we're finding that maybe we didn't know after all. So the willingness not to know is key. Tyrants never want you to be willing not to know because they never want you to question their authority. So let's not buy into that, number one. Number two, I did watch Mike Johnson's uh, initial uh, address to Congress. I was highly caution, cautiously optimistic, if there's such a thing as highly cautiously optimistic. Because, you know, when a person has been burned, or when people have been burned as much as we have in getting our hopes up that there would be someone in with some reins of power, and make no mistake, the Speaker of, of the House has a lot of power unlike people think. Sometimes the house doesn't use its power, the power of the purse, but the speaker of, ha of the house has plenty of power because the speaker decides what issues even make it to a vote. The speaker decides the agenda. The speaker, that's why Nancy Pelosi wouldn't leave. And the speaker, you may know, is third in line to the presidency. So it's a pretty darn important position. And no, it shouldn't be done willy-nilly and uh, impulsively because Republicans, whining Republicans, don't want to be called uh, chaotic or in disarray. Uh, chaotic and disarray is far superior to well-organized tyranny, which is where we're on our way to. So Mike Johnson, he seemed, I, you know, I was uh, Im impressed to the extent of the speech he gave. But because we've all been burned before, uh, not the least of which are my, my own former congressman, Congressman Ken Buck, who had the reputation of being among the most conservative uh, representatives in Colorado and has turned out to be nothing more than a Liz Cheney wannabe. He has always been aligned with the Cheneys. Uh, he went to school in Wyoming and we found out that he wasn't the guy we thought he was. He was paying lip service, but when the chips were down, baby, he joined with the Democrats and was so inarticulate, this former DA of Weld County, this former this attorney, this congressman, could not explain his own votes. Why? Because it appears as if he's made a Faustian bargain with the devil so he can, and I'm not saying everybody's the devil, but when you make a, self, a Faustian bargain and you compromise your values and your principles so that you can get the little goodies that you want, like in his case, maybe uh, uh, to get to be a CNN correspondent 
seems to be one of his goals, then uh, it's amazing what people will sell out for a ham sandwich or whatever else. Uh, so we've been burned before. Thank God he is a Republican. He's saying the right things. And guess what? The bottom line is it's all in what he does. It is all in what he does. No more do we listen to words and pablum and rhetoric and, oh, we support Israel while we arm her enemies. We don't buy that anymore. We look at actions. We don't listen to words, promises, hyperbole from politicians. Let them prove themselves by showing that they can tighten the purse strings in Congress, shut down the insane spending. As I say, the House has a lot more power than people think, but they have not been willing to use it. Why? This is a circular spouting off episode. It's circular logic because they have sold out for their own self-interest, either to get goodies or because somebody has something bad on them that they don't want to get out. This is called the carrot or the stick. Either we're going to force you into line with the carrot by giving you exactly what you want, whether it's sex, whether it's money, whether it's getting reelected, whether it's going to the right cocktail parties, whether it's being one of the in-group with a stupid little pin on your lapel that says you're a Congress critter. It is amazing, uh, the self-selected group that go after power. Now, there are some that don't fit that uh, uh, M.O., and we know that because they're taking an enormous amount of heat from the radical left and the elitists in Washington, and, uh, you know, they're, they're being pushed with the other part of the manipulation. There's actually a third. It's bullying. Three, bullying, bribery, or, or uh, blackmail. Uh, and the other one is the stick. You know, we're going to get you in a compromised position, can you say, Jeffrey Epstein, and we're going to make sure that you do as we say. Otherwise, we're going to make it known and we're going to humiliate you. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. Every MyPillow is made with passion here in my home state of Minnesota to ensure you get the best sleep of your life. One of the things that I really like about MyPillow is the support. It gives my neck a little hug. I've never slept better in my life. What's better than a great night's sleep? Call or go online to take advantage of my best offer ever. For a limited time, when you use your promo code, you can get premium my pillows regularly $69.98, now only $29.98. With our 60-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Sleep well, America! Call 1-800-867-0416 and use the promo code RAM, R-A-M. That's 1-800-867-0416 and use the promo code RAM. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. 
Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Spouting Off with Karen Cataline will return in a moment. The Reading Foundation provides evaluation and tutorial programs based upon the Orton-Gillingham philosophy of learning, based upon the study of language, how children acquire language, and the mechanisms involved in learning. All the learning pathways of the brain, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and tactile, are addressed and strengthened to build a strong foundation for the acquisition of reading skills. If you are interested in learning more, please contact the Reading Foundation for more information. The Reading Foundation is at 10 Northern Boulevard, Unit 19, Amherst, New Hampshire, 03031. Or you can email us at readingfoundation underscore rf at yahoo.com. And of course, you can call anytime at 603-882-0992. The Reading Foundation, Amherst, New Hampshire. Karen Cataline got her parents to name her Karen before she was born, so she could grow up to be a punchline. Now here's more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to jump right in because we got cut off. Who says there isn't climate change? The kind of climate change is an electrical storm where I'm at. And uh, the power went off for just a second. And boom, I was off the air. Apologies for that. I was on a roll. But that's okay. It's my show and I can come back to it anytime. Uh, we're going to stay plugging away because I am very excited to have our very first guest who's on the line right now. His name is uh, Chadwick Moore, and uh, he is the author of Tucker, a, a biography about Tucker Carlson. Uh, Chadwick is a journalist, public speaker, political commentator, and culture critic. He's a columnist and contributing editor to The Spectator, editor-in-chief of Outspoken, and Outspoken Middle East. Boy, we could talk to him about that. Well, we are going to talk to him about that and more formerly a regular guest on Tucker Carlson tonight. Welcome, Chadwick Moore, to Spouting Off. Good to have you along. Hey, great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Um, so we hope that we keep our connection here. We're having a bit of an electrical storm where I am, but uh, I, think we're, I think we're good to go, and it's good to have you. Um, so full disclosure, my audience knows I'm Jewish. And Jews are often the canaries in the coal mine, and what's been going on has stirred the passions of so many people, including a lot of really hateful people who've made their bones, supposedly, lecturing others about hate. That being said, I saw a tweet <laughs> saying by a true moron, a true moron, 
that said that LGBTQ people are safer in Gaza than they are in Florida. <laughs> yes, that's what they said. Now there are queers for Palestine. Uh, talk about why that does not go together, which most people who don't swallow propaganda media know, and to what do you attribute this level of ignorance? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, and I'm sure as your listeners know, there's only one country in the entire region of the Middle East where, where uh, homosexuality is legal uh, and where you not be at minimum arrested and at maximum murdered for being gay. And that, of course, is Israel, uh, the only country that has gay pride parades. Of course, tons, probably you know, millions of gay men from Western countries like the United States travel to Israel every year for, to have fun and party and go to the beaches and go to pride parades in Tel Aviv, etc., uh, but then, of course, as you pointed out, you have this Queers for Palestine movement. Uh, and that's also, as an aside, I, I saw the other day some people marching, some of these pro-Hamas people marching with um, reproductive rights or Palestinian rights, something like that sign. No. So I guess abortion uh, is now a favorite of uh, Gaza. Oh, yeah. Not. Yeah, that's going to be allowed. Um, yeah, yeah. You know how that goes. Along with um, women's yeah, rights. I, I there's we, there's we, great women's rights in, in Muslim countries, too. That's why they're, they've been walking around with masks for decades, not just uh, the last three <laughs> years. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's why they like the Middle East so much as a mask culture. Who knows? We still see a lot you know of what I think around. it is, and I'm jumping ahead, and we'll come back to this. It's It's intersectional. I didn't get to talk about this. I got cut off, but you know, in my monologue, intersectional leftism is really Marxism. And that's why every uh, entity that is marching queers for Palestine are also Marxist, pro-socialist, anti-American. Uh, what say you? That's 100 percent correct. And, you know, and, and that's why I'm not surprised to see these queers for Palestine, etc., feminists for Palestine, what have you. BLM coming out in support of Hamas. We've known right. that. Uh, anyone paying the remote, remotest amount of attention has known that forever. Uh, I remember in, in 20 years ago in college, the radical gay groups marching in support of Palestine and, and, and uh, uh, that side. And, and you're right, because it, at, at its core, it has nothing to do with these identity groups that they purport to represent and fight for their values of, whether it's the black community, the gay community, etc. It is only about Marxism, which sees the world through a lens of oppressor and oppressed. So these groups That's have correct. a masochistic uh, 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 desire to seek out suffering and oppression and, and invent it uh, even where it doesn't exist. And so they believe that those groups are uh, across the world united, when, of course, the world is much deeper, more complex than that. History is more deeper, more complex than that. And none of these groups actually like one another very much. And in the case of Hamas, would, would gladly and openly murder you for being LGBT. Yeah, and that's systemic, which the left tries to loves to talk about. This is systemic hatred towards homosexuality, which includes hanging gay people from cranes and throwing them off buildings. Now, you can only wonder why it is that there are such ignorant people in this country who believe that um, uh, that Muslim countries welcome gay people and all the rest of the alphabet victims uh with open arms they do not that's correct and, and you know and and most of them must even know that at their core I, I think what's going on is this 
tendency of these kind of smug academic uh, uh, far left types to believe that, you know, they look at groups like that and they it's I mean, it's kind of fundamentally racist. They're looking at, at the people. The Absolutely. Middle East, and they're saying, well, these poor barbarians don't know any better. And because we come from a more civilized, elevated perspective, we need to show them the way. So, you know, we'll come out and support for their cause. And then maybe eventually one day we'll show them their wrongs and they'll join us uh-huh. because we're more evolved than them. But they're like our little pets. And for that reason, we have to hold Israel, which is a civilized, advanced society. We hold them and same with America to higher moral standards than we will these other groups because they simply just don't know any better. They're, they're you know, these poor third world uh, dumb people is how they view them. I mean, that's really at the heart of it. Uh, and they would all openly acknowledge that. And it gets down to just how they're, they're really despicable and racist view of, of society and other people. Yeah. Um, at, at its core, it, it, it pays to really look and analyze this as a political tactic. Because when you can organize people around victimhood and, and continually grow the number of victims, which is one of the reasons why they want to create more trans people. There was a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction, but now they're growing trans people because if those trans people can join the cult of identity politics and victimhood, then they will be very easy to turn into little Marxists. And that's really the goal. It cannot be repeated enough that this is a way to get gullible people to go along with their own demise because... And you can speak to this if you like. This is what useful idiots are all about. They, uh, they are making useful idiots who, once they are no longer useful, they get crushed first, don't they? Yeah, that's completely. And, 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 and in this sense, especially with the trans thing, it's not even gullible people. It's, um, it's broken people. It's, it's teenagers yes. who are essentially just yes. going through what it is to be a teenager, especially teenage girls, meaning you're uncomfortable in your body, like teenage girls have been uh, since the dawn of time, and saying, no, no, actually, you know, you need to join this cult because it means you're actually in the wrong body. It's really disgusting yeah. and destructive uh, destructive stuff. And, it's, and it, yes. it, it, it's also par for this, this neo-Marxist plan where dismantling anything, any semblance of Western society, any semblance of what yeah. they would call heteronormative society, the nuclear family, etc., uh, yeah. to, to destroy it and rebuild it into something new. What that new thing is, we don't yet know. It's but old. With history, it's very anything, old. It's called communism, and we've seen right. it before. And they think it's new, but it ain't. Uh, Chadwick, you're so articulate on this issue, and I, wanna, I want you to talk a little bit. I want to talk about your book and about your experiences with Tucker Carlson, because he is on the forefront of this master censorship uh, plan that is attempting to shut down differences of opinion and dissent. But before we do that, uh, it is terrifying to see these zombied out groups standing up for Hamas and for baby killing and for uh, gang rape and gee, you know that it's amazing. They're not even they're not even ashamed of it. They've been whipped up into such a frenzy. Uh, I hate to ask you this, but like, is is there anything we can do about this at this point? Because it is terrifying. I don't think they are the majority by any means, but they're very noisy, very loud, and exceptionally hateful and bigoted. Well, it's fascinating. They they. 
feels so protected to have these horrible, extremely distasteful opinions that, that you know, mainstream society is, is overwhelmingly against. I mean, and because they have been so protected for so long uh, to, to behave in any way that they wanted to. And now cancel culture is finally coming to the left. Uh, and, 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 you know, we can watch it with amusement. You see all these... Mm. Are these extremely privileged Harvard students getting their six-figure salary, job opportunities taken away, et cetera, these law firms coming down. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, they're exposing who they really are. Those of us who've been paying attention knew this is who they are all along. And we yes. can only hope that, that, there's, that the pendulum is swinging in the other way, not just for this issue is concerned, but every horrible, destructive thing that the left stands for in which they've been so protected for so long to, to yeah. carry out and, and to espouse those views. Yes, and it's got to be give us all pause that they're being protected by people with enormous power, people in the media, people in Washington, who have these views but are using these gullible people uh, to do their dirty work for them, and that's what is so disturbing. They won't go after these people. They won't. Talk about your book, Shift to Gears here, and about where uh, your book first and then... Uh, where does Tucker Carlson stand? He just keeps doing Twitter or X or whatever you call it. But a lot of us are waiting for him to get sued for having spoken up and used his First Amendment rights. Yeah, so he is, uh, you know, he's still an employee of Fox News. Uh, he's still getting a paycheck every week. He did nothing to violate his contract. So Fox is unable to technically fire him, even though we say fired. Uh, and in that, though, he's still limited on what he's able to do and where he's able to be. Well, from what I understand is Fox didn't have the foresight to include Twitter in their non-compete, which is one <laughs> reason why he's, he's there. Uh, oh, but, you know, they're working on so forming their own it. media uh. company. And, uh, uh, but his contract is, doesn't end until one month after the next uh, presidential election. He's right. trying to get out of it. He's offered to Fox to say, hey, keep your money. Just let me have my freedom. Yeah. And Fox won't do that. So, uh, Gee, I wonder why, because they want to keep him muzzled. That's why. That's exactly what it is. That is the reason why. Uh, and uh, they, they want him to have limited reach. And, and it's not just that they're worried about the competition. It's that they, it was the reason he was taken off the air. They don't want those ideologies out there. They want to have the say in who the next presidential uh, candidate is for the Republican Party. Uh, but it hasn't really been successful on Fox's, um, uh, on, on their watch. And in fact, it's backfired massively, I would say. I sure hope so. Uh, do we have any greater insight now, Chad? And we're talking to Chadwick Moore, author of Tucker. Do we have any greater insight as to whether the Dominion lawsuit had anything to do with the summarily firing the Golden Goose <laughs> uh, and, and getting rid of their top and most popular asset at Fox News? Or do we know more than that? Uh, with the, I'm, I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. Maybe it was that electrical storm with, with the lawsuit. With the <laughs> do we know? Do we know if if one of the reasons Fox fired or didn't fire, which is so weaselly, isn't it? We're firing you, but we're not. Um, it, it, they did it because of Dominion, uh, the 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 um, lawsuit with Dominion, or was it something else? Is it are there ide- ideologists within there? Or uh, what is it? So from what, you know, my sources said that was the case, that it was essentially you pay us $787 million and take Tucker off the air. Uh, ah. But uh, Dominion has denied this. Fox has denied this. Um, you know, what does seem 
what, it was six days after the settlement that Tucker was taken off the air. So if that were the case and you didn't want it to look so obvious, you would probably say, but wait a week, which is what happened. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, there, there are a lot of people, you know, Tucker was annoying a lot of people, not just on Fox's board, which is very neocon. Uh, Paul Ryan's mm-hmm. on that board. The Murdochs, uh, you know, they're very pro-war people. They're entities that own Dominion and they're entities that have controlling interest in Fox News, like BlackRock. So, you know, there are many issues that Tucker was speaking out against and taking the counter narrative on that uh, a lot of people wanted him off uh, mainstream media. Uh, I think Ukraine war is one of them. J6 was another. Vaccines was another one. Uh, ESG would be another. Um, So uh, it's it's, while while Dominion and Fox have denied that, uh, you know, there are plenty of people who have said that that's the case, including my sources. Right. Uh, We almost have to go. And so tell everybody about where they can find you, follow you, and get your book. Oh, sure. You can go to TuckerTheBook.com if you want some more information. There's also links there to buy direct from the publisher. Uh, but you can also find the book anywhere you get your books at Amazon, Books Million, Walmart, Barnes & Noble. Uh, it's uh, been on the New York Times bestseller list, and people seem to really be really enjoying Wonderful. getting insight into Tucker, the man, you know, not just the caricature. Uh, and... Um, uh, I hope that uh, everyone enjoys who picks it up. It was certainly a, a pleasure and an honor to work on this book and spend that much time with Tucker Carlson and getting to know him. That is great. And and he's the real deal, it seems. Get get his book. Thank you so much, Chadwick Moore, for joining us. We so appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Yes, mine too. Ours too. When we come back, we'll have our uh, guest From the Epic Times. Don't go away. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. They're not out to tell you the truth of what's happening. They're out to tell you the picture of the world that they represent. The mission of the Epoch Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements and facts, and prevent people from being misled. The Epoch Times is independent. We're not controlled by any special interest, and we never will be. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would ensnare this country in ignorance and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. Subscribe today to our digital edition at theepochtimes.com and join the Americans who are seeking truth and tradition. Read the difference in all your devices. We'd love to have you on board. Are you tired of the same old snacks? Looking for something a little healthier than that bag of chips or candy bar? Even your average bag of trail mix these days is little more than peanuts, raisins, and candy-coated chocolate. Not very healthy, is it? Allow me to introduce you to White Mountain Munchies. Made from 100% all-natural ingredients, White Mountain Munchies combines unique flavors with nutritional value that will tingle your taste buds and strengthen and sustain your overall health and wellness. Eating good never tasted so good. From Maggie's Maple Madness to Hannah's Heavenly Harvest, 
Grayson's Getaway Goodies, and our limited edition Christmas blend, Jacoby's Jolly Jumble. White Mountain Munchies offers nutritious and delicious snacks that the whole family is sure to love. Pick yours up now through our easy-to-use online store at whitemountainmunchies.com. White Mountain Munchies, non-GMO when you're on the go. Hi, it's Karen Cataline. It's been almost a decade since I wrote Fat Lash Food Police in the Fear of Thin. It's about my early experiences in child beauty pageants and being put on extreme diets. Remember when that was shocking? Sadly, that seems like child's play compared to what we are watching today when politicians and woke corporations are actually advocating for the sexualization of children. Everyone's children. We're watching a frontal attack on childhood innocence. This is one story, my story. Fat Lash illustrates and explains why good boundaries are essential for kids to grow up healthy. They need their parents to set them, not the government. Get Fat Lash today. It's available in paperback or ebook at Amazon or at my website, KarenCataline.com. And now, more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Look around me. I can see my life before me running. Welcome back, everyone, to Spouting Off. And uh, good to have you along with us. As we do once a week, it is always a pleasure and an honor to have with us a reporter from the stellar Epic Times. The Epic Times, as you may know, is one of our sponsors. Uh, you heard a commercial for the Epic Times. Uh, but they do the work that the uh, propaganda media refuses to do. They actually report the news and let you decide. Um, and uh, for that reason and others, we are always pleased to feature some of the great reporters from the Epic Times. This week, we have Nathan Wooster, who we've had many times before. He covers national politics for the Epic Times and has also focused on energy and the environment. Uh, Nathan has written about everything from fusion energy and ESG to Biden's classified documents and international conservative politics. He lives and works in Chicago, and, uh, and he can be reached. You can go to his page, just search his name, Nathan Wooster, and that's W-R-S-E-C-S-T-E-R, like Worcester or Worcester sauce, but not quite. Nathan Wooster, thank you for joining us here once again on Spouting Off. Glad to be here as always. Yes, well, uh, we can't say that uh, it's a slow news day, a slow news week, or a, snow, a slow news year because so much is going on. Um, I know you're working on a lot, but uh, you can talk about, if you'd like, give us some insight about the GOP candidates, their stand on Israel. And we already know that the Speaker of the House, the new Speaker of the House, has uh, run a resolution, his very first, to get people on record as to where they stand on Israel and Gaza. Yeah, no, it's been very interesting. Um, you know, since the uh, Israel-Hamas war started, there's been this uh, level of, I think, sort of 
one-upmanship among the Republican candidates, seeking to reach a base and, um, you know, uh, just generally in a political climate where uh, showing that kind of, uh, showing that level of uh, solidarity with Israel is uh, important politically. You know, you pretty much as a Republican, you have to do that. Um, It's been interesting to track people who, um, you know, in the midst of all this are stepping back and and saying, you know, not that they don't stand uh, against Hamas, but that they're skeptical of what could turn out to be a larger regional war. So, for example, Vivek Ramaswamy was on Tucker Carlson's program repeatedly um, asking what he described as some basic questions about what has happened, for example, why was the IDF not aware of these incursions into Israeli space, given, you know, the level and sophistication of their intelligence operations? Why now is it uh, seemingly going to be the case that this money for Israel is tied in with money to Ukraine, tied into um, what many people see as insufficient and misdirected money related to the border? You have that happening. You have um, you have other voices. Thomas Massey, for example, um, kind of stepping back. And um, I would say, you know, it's interesting to to look at that. You track that alongside, you know, what um, the current administration, the Biden people, have done. I think they're they're um, even as they're positioning themselves somewhat more. Um, somewhat more in uh, Israel's camp than many people speculated. Uh, you, you have in the State Department lower-level people who have uh, kind of staged their small mutiny against uh, Tony Blinken. And so at least I wonder if there's perhaps an attempt here to create at least the impression that there's more diversity of thought on this in the American foreign policy establishment than there, uh, than there actually seems to be. So there, there's all of this happening, and, and of course the uh, positioning of carrier groups. Uh, an interesting side note, with Mike Johnson being the Speaker of the House, uh, if you look into his background, you know, his district is fairly tied in with uh, defense. He belongs to a number of very interesting committees and caucuses, including a subcommittee on sea power, which uh, seems rather significant at all times, but in particular as we're seeing some of the maneuvers by, um, you know, American uh, assets in the eastern Mediterranean, then south of uh, south of Iran. So that's uh, mm. that's kind of, that's what I've been tracking, at least in relation to all these issues. That's quite a lot on your plate. Uh, could you clarify when you said that they're trying to give the impression that there is at least some diversity of opinion more than there is? What do you think is the opinion? Because uh, in Washington, because. Uh, pardon me if I don't trust people that have been lying to us continually for three years plus, but I don't believe the rhetoric that they're pro-Israel. When you give $6 billion to Iran, the funders of Hamas, and everything you've done, and you left armaments in Afghanistan that found their way into attacks against Israel, I, I'm not buying it that they're that pro-Israel at all. What do you say? Yeah, I think unfreezing that uh, that money, you would expect there to have been alongside that that carrot for Iran more of a stick than simply this prisoner exchange, which, as far as I understand it, there was just kind of a, you know, tit for tat exchange between Iran and the United States. 
There was no need for them, as far as I'm aware, and I haven't studied this agreement in depth, but as far as I'm aware, they didn't have to soften anything else that they've been saying. They didn't have to take any other actions. They, they have no clear incentive now, especially since we've taken out Iraq and, and they've been able to you know, establish a very strong presence directly and through proxies across the Middle East now that we have left this vacuum. Um, they, they have, uh, and especially given the ties that they increasingly have with China, which we have uh, done a very poor job of uh, managing. Uh, you know, you, you talk to some Iranians, they say, oh, China's now trying to buy up the country. And so you, you wonder down the line, what is this going to mean in terms of things like the continued advancement of Iran's nuclear program, perhaps the use of, at some level, um, you know, Chinese assets in, in this, what for now is a regional conflict. Yeah, it's, it, it, at least to me, it seems as though I, my read is that the Biden administration is broadly from what they've said, what they've done, pro-Israel, but they're attempting to manage a situation in, without having the credibility that you would need to be able to reward a country like Iran and then also be able to say, well, if you don't um, take these particular actions or if you don't act friendly to us, we will act against you because our, our frankly, our credibility on the world stage has only slipped. Um, the Iran-Saudi deal brokered by China illustrates how America is just not really in the conversation in the way that it used to be. And if that's not the case, you know, we really need to think through decisions like the one to unfreeze that money for Iran, which, again, it seems like kind of a sleight of hand to pretend that, oh, just because this money might technically not have directly gone to, uh, gone to Hamas or, or to Hezbollah, Therefore, that that wasn't a contributing factor. I think it's obvious that once you have more assets available to you, you can find a way to then justify, you know, sending more money or providing more support in some, you know, supporting kind um, as a result of that. Yeah, I think it's, at least to me, it's mainly an issue of imperial overreach by the United States. Uh Clarify what you mean, imperial overreach by the United States. What 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 are you meaning specifically? I know you just got through talking about that, but what what specifically is the imperial overreach? I yeah, I think as I was saying, I think we made commitments to Iran that, um, or rather, we the Biden I administration, see. in keeping with the with the Obama administration, attempted to um, attempted to create this uh, level of um, a, a new understanding with Iran without really thinking uh, through what that would mean regionally and also without having the, the, the resources militarily or in terms of our, you know, um, soft power, in terms of our credibility to pe- the people living in that region. Um, we, we tried to, to act, uh, speak softly rather than make it clear that we were carrying the big stick. And that's just not the, the right decision alongside, of course, all the money that we've spent in the proxy conflict with Ukraine. Um, now this money that we're going to be spending um, in this conflict involving Israel, not to mention various other conflicts. So, you know, over the past um, two decades, everything, all the debt that we ran up um, connected with Iraq and Afghanistan, you, you look at all of that together. And it's, it seems to me that one reason why we're not why the United States looks a lot worse than it did after um, September 11th is that we simply, you know, we're, we're not managing our global presence as intelligently as we did. That's why I say it's an issue of huh. um, imperial overreach. 
and our allies uh, and uh, partners are paying the price. Uh, Nate, uh, <laughs> it's a good thing I'm not a reporter because I'm a commentator and I have strong opinions, but you're being very, very kind to attribute uh, lack of intelligence and incompetence where, in my opinion, there is uh, direct intent. Just like uh, in our personal lives, so many things we have in our lives are there because we want them there. I think it can be said at this point that when uh, our enemies get encouraged to, to get nuclear weapons, when they get billions of our armaments in their hands, um, I guess the way to ask this is that many people, including myself, believe it's fair to say that this is Obama's third term in office. It's all the same people with a presidential potted plant who doesn't even know where he is. So uh, every time Obama and the radical left have got in power, they detest and loathe in Israel. They can say all they want that they're pro-Israel, but uh, their actions belie their words. And the war that's going on now has certain... Uh, unfortunate fingerprints all over it from haters of Israel. There's tons of them. And there's more now, it seems, than ever. Uh, care to comment on that? I think it's very interesting to watch the coalition on that side, and, and I think there's a lot to what you're saying, describing it as the third term of Obama. If you look at the personnel, if you look at some of the people who over the past few years called shots, you know, Susan Rice comes to mind. Uh, yes. As does Ron Klain. Samantha Power. Um, and then Samantha Power, of course. Yes, um, absolutely. Married to Cass Sunstein. That's um, right. Yeah, no, there's, there's a another self hating Jew. Like, gee, George Soros, a self hating Jew who only uh, lives to destroy Israel and empower the radical left to do so, uh, as well as the United States. That seems quite clear. And you don't have to be Jewish as I am to say it. It's true. My, my sense from looking at, um, you know, I'm not Jewish, but, you know, liberal Jews who I think are uh, not anti-Israel, but they're pro-Biden, pro-Obama foreign policy, and often in many cases they're very pro-open borders. When they look at, for example, the protests that we've seen across the West, across Dearborn, Michigan, and other cities in the United States, where you have people who often yes. have deep family ties to the Middle East who now have uh, not changed those beliefs. You could argue in some cases they are Jew haters, but at the very least, they don't see things the way that a lot of, um, you know, Americans from previous generations saw it. I think a lot of, um, a lot of you know, liberal Jewish people are looking at that and kind of wondering um, how, you know, even if, even if they don't necessarily agree with um, the way that Trump approached the, the issue, they might think, well, this is not a good situation. This is really uh, not... Let me just uh, say... Not... not uh, not something you want to see. One day, you know, I, I, if I had a nickel for every time people ask me, why are Jews so liberal? Uh, and there are a lot of reasons. And then after two hours, you still don't have the complete answer. I was fascinated to see that even even uh, members of J Street, a radically left group, are angry <laughs> at the pro-Hamas protests, which is kind of the equivalent to getting mugged, right? You, you think that you can reason with a grizzly bear 
And when the grizzly bear comes to bite your leg off or your head off, you say, doggone it, I was being so nice to you. And here you <laughs> came and bit my head off. Um, the intense passions of this issue cannot be underestimated. But uh, liberal Jews are always the most, the least religious of Jews. And sadly, as Dennis Prager says, they worship liberalism, not Judaism. And then they find out that Jew haters are going to kill them anyway just for being Jewish. Uh, it's uh, Sorry, I just had to say that. We have about a minute. Uh, what are you working on now, and uh, what are your final comments? Well, yeah, I just I wanted to agree, and it really is a sad situation if you talk to people in Europe. Uh, I think France is now one of the top uh, countries that is sending people to Israel, and there's a reason for that. But um, yeah. I'm working on an analysis right. of Gavin Newsom, some of the talk of hmm. his uh, possible move to run for president. I'm also finishing up a story about the battle over housing migrants at a field house in a, a neighborhood in Chicago, uh, Amundsen Park, which has led to a, a real major legal saga here in the Windy City. So I'm sure you'll uh, get a kick out of that. Boy, I'm telling you, you work on some great stuff. And uh, I encourage everyone to find him once again at the Epic Times. If you're not uh, signed up for the Epic Times, do it. It is so very worth it. We even have a promo code for people who sign up for Epic Times. The name is Nathan Wooster, spelled W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R. Nathan, it's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you once again for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you as always for having me, Karen. Yeah, keep up great work. Well, that does it for this edition of Spouting Off. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday uh, for more Spouting Off at 1 p.m. Eastern. And uh, stand up, stay strong, be brave.